I totally almost wore that shirt this morning. I'm glad that I didn't. That would have been awkward, or it would have looked uh, a little bit too much staged. Uh, thank you for taking time just to um, listen to our presentations about He is Able. I appreciate Philip and uh, everything that he shared, and uh, just that video that just gives you some information of some things that, uh, that we're going to be talking about in upcoming Sundays. In upcoming Sundays, we're not going to be talking about it quite as much as we were this Sunday that we've kind of, we're kind of beginning, but we just wanted to give you a lot of information um, um, on the front end uh, just to kind of explain things. So we've come out of uh, a great two weeks of having life action with us, and I know that many of you were involved in that, but I have to tell you, uh, this morning, whenever I walked in and uh, I, I saw the band and the singers and everyone warming up, and then today in worship, man, it was just great. It's just great having my people back on stage. I missed them very much, and I missed, I missed Andy leading worship. I missed the choir and all the singers. We had a great two weeks, but I'm, uh, I'm glad to have them back on stage. Now, you might say, I would rather have Steve Canfield, um, but too bad. You got me. And... Um, so let me uh, let me start this message today. T- today's really gonna well today's really gonna be more of a message a message about missions. Um, but I want to be clear about the goals that we have for this new campaign. He is able. I want to be very clear that our goals are not just financial. Uh, There's so much more than that. Uh, for example, I want to give you these these three things, and they're printed in your in, in your brochure. You can look at them later. But we want you to experience the joy of sacrificial giving. The best example that I can give to you is what you gave through love offerings to Life Action Ministries this past week. I explained to those of you who were involved in Life Action Ministries, they don't charge us on the front end. They come and they minister to us and they just trust God that their weekly goals are going to be met. Their weekly goals, what they, they were here for us for two weeks and, um, and basically what they needed, their needs, they needed about twenty-five dollars or $30,000. And listen, you gave them $50,000 in a love offering. And listen... When I saw that number, you know, my heart would, well, and maybe this is not good, I was so proud of you. I was, I know pride is a sin, but I was, I was so proud of you. But also, my heart just leaped for joy. I experienced joy when they told me what they received. We gave them twice as much as they, as they needed. And I, was, I gave sacrificially uh, to them, and I experienced joy. Another good example is I can give you through a rise and tell. A rise and tell, there was a mount that you pledged, and then you gave more than that over a three-year period. I was able to participate in that, and I just have joy whenever I see that. And we want all of God's people to experience that joy. Number two, um, we want to unify around a mission of advancing God's uh, mission around the globe. We want to unify around a vision of advancing God's mission around the globe. This is what I want to talk to you about today. And I'm going to present that vision to you as simply as possible in about, about the middle of, of, of my sermon. I'm going, to, I'm going to explain to you as simply as possible what that is. And number three, we want you personally 
to stand in awe of God when he does exceedingly more than you could ever ask or imagine. I know that over the next three years, as we're in the midst of this campaign, there's going to be some things in your life, and you're really going to need God to come through for you. And we want to see that happen. We want, we want you to personally stand in awe of God as he does things in your life that maybe you could have never thought possible and as he does things in our church that we never would imagine. Here's just a, here's just a, quick, uh, a quick glance at some of my upcoming sermons that I'm going to be preaching. And as you can see, we're not going to be talking about, we're not gonna be, I'm not going to be preaching about fundraising every week. If that's your fear, let me go ahead and dissipate that fear right now. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the importance of investing in our children and seeing that our children come to know the Lord and raising our children to be godly. The week after that, we're going to talk about how God has called us to be laborers. Uh, we're not just to be church attenders. We're to be laborers for God around the world. We're going to talk about how God is able to provide for us. There's some of you that have some great needs, and we believe that God is able to meet your every need. And then uh, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. For, for those of you who've been, uh, who, who were here for the life action, we spent a lot of time in 2 Corinthians 9. I'll try not to be redundant on the living, giving principles, but we're going to see how God is able to bountify. No, that's not a real word. Uh, Google doesn't recognize it. God is able to bountify, or excuse me, Word doesn't recognize it, bountify our offerings, which means He can multiply them. He can take loaves and fishes, and He can multiply it to feed a lot of people. God can take your small offering or your big offering, and He can do huge things with them. And then, of course, uh, the last sermon, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3. But today, um, I want you to see a verse of Scripture... Psalm chapter 2, you can go ahead and open your Bibles there. I want to, I want, I'm, in, in Psalm chapter 2, we're going to read the whole Psalm, but in Psalm chapter 2, there's one verse that God has just seared upon my heart and has birthed in me a vision for our church that is so much bigger than a building campaign, so much bigger than brick and mortar that is constructed, so much bigger than just any one ministry that, that we have within our church or one slither of our church. This, and, and this one verse in Psalm, Psalm chapter 2, verse 8, we're going to read the whole psalm um, together. So uh, stand with me as we stand with me as we read this chapter. Psalm chapter 2. I'll tell you, I, I just have a lot of, man, I have so much enjoyed studying Psalm chapter 2. I have a lot of things that I want to say about Psalm chapter 2. I'm not going to be able to get to all, all of it today in the interest of time. Um, but there's, there's, there's some, some stuff in here that I, that I really hope jumps out at you. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Who do you think the anointed is in this verse? This is prophetic. This is speaking about Jesus. Let us, verse 3, let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. He who sits in heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, 
my holy hill. Who do you think the king is in this verse? Again, this is prophetic. This is speaking about Jesus. Verse 7, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. That sounds very much like what God said at Jesus' baptism. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 has been instrumental for me. And, and what I feel like is God's call upon us and his, his vision for us and his mission that he has called us to. Verse 8. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoicing with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Father, today I pray that you would exalt Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that your will would just be revealed for your people. God, lead us, guide us. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I believe that God is able to do anything he wants to do. If you believe that, say amen. I believe that God is able, that he can do. In fact, I believe that God does do anything. He, he, he does whatever he wants. He doesn't just, he doesn't just want to do it. He, he does everything that he actually wants to do. And as people of God, as people of prayer, we should be asking and expecting God the Son. We should be praying that the anointed, the king that is mentioned in his verse, we should be, we should be praying to him, asking him to do the things that are in his mind to do. I believe that we don't do that like we should. I believe that we get too caught up in asking God to do things that he doesn't want to do, that he hasn't planned to do, and we want him to use his power to do things that maybe he has absolutely no interest in doing. I don't know if you've experienced this before. I don't know if anybody has begged you to do something that you don't want to do, but it's not very pleasant, is it? To have someone constantly asking you or someone constantly begging you to do something that you just simply don't want to do. I have been experiencing this in the Parkinson home lately. How many of you have children? You got children? All right. How many of you parents, how many of you children have Xboxes? Any of you parents? Wow. Come on now. Hold on now. How many of your kids have Xboxes? Hold your hand high. Not very many of you. Man, I feel, oh man, these Xboxes are gone. Here's the thing about an Xbox. An Xbox costs money. It's pretty expensive, right? So I didn't want to buy that. Um, Xbox games are pretty expensive. All you college students. Y'all have Xboxes, don't you? How many have Xboxes? Okay, all right. Not many of you. Um, 
And not only, did it, not only did the games cost money, but the access, the internet, to play the games also cost money. All right? Now, here lately, I have had a couple of kids that have been asking me to buy Xbox gift cards. And I'm like, an Xbox gift card? What in the world do you buy with an Xbox gift card? Well, the truth is you buy nothing with an Xbox gift card. All it is is you, I don't know, you buy a, a special weapon or armor or you buy fake money that you can spend in the game. Are you kidding me? You want to spend my hard-earned money on an Xbox gift card? I don't know about you parents, but that's just not necessarily something that I want to do. I think there is a parallel between that and how we ask God to do things that have, that have nothing to do with his purpose for our lives. We beg God to use his power and to use his resources to do things for us that he doesn't want to do for us. And honestly, I think we're wasting our time. I think we're wasting our time when we beg God to do things that are not according to his plan and not according to his purposes and not according to his will. And we're missing out on a dynamic prayer life. We're missing out on a relationship with him because we pray the wrong prayers. Now, conversely, sometimes my kids ask me to do great things. One of my kids asked me, Daddy, can I have a new Bible? Um, yes. That is according to my will and my plan for you. Another child said, Daddy, will you help me organize and clean my room? Well, yes, that is absolutely according to my will and my plan for you. I have one of my daughters that often says, can we go on a daddy-daughter date? <laughs> well, of course. I have another daughter who says, Daddy, will you come cuddle with me? Well, yes, absolutely. I mean, there are some requests that kids make that are good and that are right and that you, you always want to try to answer. Listen, what if, as God's children, what if we prayed prayers to an all-powerful God to do things that he actually wants to do, things that he has actually planned to do, and we say, Lord, do it. You want to do it. You plan to do it. You've said in your words you're going to do it. God, we want you to do it. Please do it. And not only that, but Lord, let us be involved in it. What if, what if we started praying those types of prayers. You see, I think that we're too preoccupied asking God to do things that he doesn't want to do, and we don't pay attention of to pray and praying the prayers that actually God does want to do because we have our own plans. That's what we see in this verse right here in Psalm chapter 2. We see the plans of man. And we don't see the plans just of any man. We see, we see the plans of peoples, of kings, of powerful people, of nations coming together colluding together, making plots and plans and inventing their own purposes. Now, I just don't have time to really go through all the Christological types of things, the way that this foreshadows Christ, the way that um, the powerful people around Christ plotted against him, ultimately killed him, and how that did not in any way thwart the purposes of God. 
But what I, want, what I do want to do is I want to talk about how sometimes we make plans and we try to use our power and our plans to make things happen. And at best, our plans are flawed, they're skewed, and they're misguided. At worst, they're rebellious. And that's what we see in this verse. We see them saying, let us burst their bonds apart. Let us cast off their cords. In other words, let's, let, let's just rebel against uh, against God. And at, so at worst, we're rebellious. At best, our plans are flawed. And sometimes as Christian people, like I said before, we're trying to make our own plans, sometimes even our own spiritual plans or our own ministerial plans. And we haven't asked God, is that in his plan? And so when we do that, obviously, we don't have a posture towards God that we need to have. Here's a verse of scripture from Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, that the Lord used uh, in, in my life whenever I was graduating from seminary, and I was trying to plan out my own life. And the Lord, man, the Lord used this in my life in, in such a magnificent way. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. I don't know about you, but my plans often, often do not work out. My plans fail, well, my plans fail for lack of counsel, for lack of asking God, for going to Him and saying, Lord, should this be my plan? Is this in your plan? And that's why my plan fails. But listen, if my plan is according, or our plans are according to the purposes of God, then the Bible says that God's purpose or purpose are always going to stand. And so we need to learn to shift our, our, our prayers that match the decrees of God. That's what we see in these next verses. And again, I don't, I don't have time to go through all the Christological, Christ-centered foreshadowing that we see in these verses. But basically, the scene now shifts from nations gathering together and plotting and making rebellious plans against God. It shifts from, from the earth, and it, it takes us into heaven and says, he who sits in heaven, he just laughs. He just, he just scoffs that the Lord will hold them in derision and that he will speak to them. How many of you know that whenever God says that something should happen, that it happens? How many of you know that God spoke this world into existence? How many of you have experienced the speech of God in your life where he spoke to your heart and you absolutely came alive? I mean, it's not just, God doesn't just speak and create worlds and universes and, and, and plants and animals and speaks those things into existence. He also speaks a spiritual life into existence into us whenever we hear the gospel and we respond and something happens in us that is according to the speech of God. And then he tells us to do things. He tells us to go places and God gives decrees about things that absolutely will happen. And God decreed in Psalm chapter 2 that Jesus would absolutely be supreme. He says, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, the holy hill. How many of you know that Jesus is absolutely on his throne? Say amen. He is 
absolutely in charge of this world. He is not scared or surprised when an army crosses a border into another nation and bombs start flying. He is not surprised, he is not shocked whenever global pandemics sweep across the globe. He is not shocked and surprised when evil people make plans and begin to carry them out. He laughs because he has made a decree, he has placed Jesus on the throne, and that will never change. And so what we see in, in, chapter, uh, in chapter 2, verse 7, and this is the verse. This is the verse, I think, that where the Lord just really laid this on my heart about three or four years ago. And I haven't repeated it enough to you, and I ask you to forgive me for that. But the father says to the son in chapter 2, verse 8, he says, ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. He said, just ask. That's God's decree, just ask. And I'll make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. What if we began to go before the throne of God and we started begging the Son of God to make the decrees of the Father God a reality on this earth. I mean, after all, we have all of the prophecies. We have all the prophecies of a new heaven and a new earth. We have all the prophecies of Jesus is one day going to come back. We have all of these things that we read about in the book of Revelation. We have the, the, we have, we have the prophecies in Matthew chapter 23 about um, a, a, a global spread of the gospel. We have the command of God. This is amazing to me. We have the command of God in Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 that mirrors these exact verses. Whenever Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, do you think maybe he had Psalm chapter 2 verse 8 in his mind? When he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, do you think maybe he also had Psalm chapter 2 verse 8 in his mind? Whenever God the Father said, ask of me and I'll make the nations your heritage? When, when, when he told us to go to the end of the earth, that he would be with us to the end of the age. I believe that Psalm chapter 2 verse 8 was in his mind. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. What if we begin to pray that prayer? It's this verse, not, not just Matthew 28 19, but Psalm chapter 2 verse 8, where the Lord really placed upon my heart a missional vision for our church. And it's very simple. A missional vision for our church just simply states, let's make 100,000 disciples by 2040. I know that you look at that and you think, now, Pastor Scott's from Mississippi, and math is probably not his strong suit. I know what you're thinking. And you would be correct in both of those things. I am from Mississippi, and uh, math is not my strong suit. But there are not 100,000 people in Cookville. There is no way we could seat 100,000 people in multiple campuses all over the county. So 
How in the world are we going to be involved in making that many disciples? And look, 100,000 100, not, is not a precise number. It's a very generic number. It's a number that's basically is supposed to mean that I believe that there are going to be hundreds, there are going to be hundreds of thousands, there are going to be millions of disciples that are going to be made all over this globe in multiple ways over the next 20 years. 2040 is about as much as you're going to get out of me. I'm going to be old and I'm going to be ready to retire. I'm going to have to use a wheelchair ramp to get me up here on the stage by then. That's about all you're going to get out of me. 2040 is about as long. Some of you be like, Ooh, I don't know if I want him to stay that long. We'll see. But about 20 years, think about the number of people that are going to be saved, that are going to be made into disciples over the next 20 years. We know it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. We know God's going to continue to save people. We know churches are going to be planted. We know there's going to be missionary movements all over the globe. Right now, we have a team of six or eight people that are in India. Today, we're going to commission a group of people that are going to be sent out to Pittsburgh where we're going to plant a church. We just heard from our Romania mission partner who himself has been ministering for many years but planted his own church about two or three years ago and has plans for expansion. And many of you are going to go today to an interest meeting for that trip that's going to happen in June. And we're exploring partnerships this year to how we can, uh, we can adopt portions of Vermont in New England. Some of you are saying, I had, I had no idea. Some of you might not know that we've had partnerships in Portland, Oregon, Atlanta, Georgia. How many of us can forget Kiwan Foster preaching a few weeks ago? Uh, he's one of our mission partners. We've had partnerships in New York. We've gone all over the place to India and Asia and Romania and Rwanda. We have people being saved even right across our parking lot. So you don't have to go across the globe. We can make disciples across the parking lot. We had a lady from our care center that was that got saved at our care center that was baptized just a few minutes ago in this worship service in our city we have all types of local mission partners that we partner with uh, uh, the bcm the cookville pregnancy clinic cedar lake camp and many many others building this building out here was just a spoke in a wheel of a much larger effort that we have of making disciples all over the world. And these efforts will not stop. They're going to keep going. The question is, do we want to be involved? What if we began to ask God and say, Lord, you're going to do what you want to do. You have plans. You have the power to carry it out. You have purposes that are going to be happening. Let us be involved in it. Please, God, let us be involved in what you're doing and let us have a significant impact, like 100,000. Maybe that's too small. Maybe we should say 500,000. Maybe we should say a million. Do you believe that God is able to do anything that he wants to do? He absolutely can. What if we begin to pray that? Would you pray that with me? Would you pray and say, Lord, use us. Use us in a significant way. Because you see, our submission, our, our, our submission is inevitable. Psalm chapter 2, verse 9 through 12. If the previous verses talked about the plans of man, 
Then these last verses speak about the submission of man. It says, you shall break them. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. I remember when God broke me. Do you remember where you were and what you were doing when God broke you? I was just a little punk kid in a jail cell, 18 years old, Ridgeland, Mississippi. God broke me. He broke me just like a vessel. He broke me with the rod of his word. His Holy Spirit came upon me and changed me. He spoke. His decrees were made personal inside of me. God spoke and new birth happened inside of me. Has that happened inside of you? Do you remember whenever God broke you? Has he? Has he broken you? Are you still trying to walk in your own power and your own plans? You see, that just doesn't work. At some point, we have to say, you know what, God? I submit to you. The Bible says, be wise. Be warned. Again, I don't have time to go through all the geopolitical, Christological things that we could talk about and concern with these verses. But this is the word of God to us. Be wise, be warned. Serve the Lord. Fear Him. Kiss the Son, which means to revere, respect, to show homage. You see, submission, submission is our only response. Some of you are saying, I don't like that word. If you're not walking in submission, you don't have, you don't have a Lord over you. I don't know why we do that. I don't know why we, we constantly want to claim Jesus as Savior and not say, you're Lord over me. We're content to say, well, I'm not a drunk. I'm not a drug addict. I don't cheat. Uh, I'm an honest person. I'm good and I'm moral and I go to church. Can I tell you that that, that does not mean that you have submitted yourself to God? What if... What if God started making demands of you. And it's really not a what if. I mean, the Lord is going to make demands of you. He's, he's going to ask you to do certain things. He, he's going to command you to do certain things. Are you willing to give up your plans for God's plans? If you're not, then you don't have Jesus as Lord, which means you probably don't have him as Savior. You're not living in submission to him. Do you want to give up your plans for who you want to marry or how you want to retire? Your plans for how you're going to make money and spend money? Do you want to give up on your plans for everything in your life? Maybe even, not just your plans for your future, maybe even your plans for the day. Would you be willing to get up every morning and say, God, my life is lived in submission to you. And I just want, I want to give up on my plans. Friend, if you don't do that, you will never experience the presence and the power of God in your life. I think of a passage of scripture, and I don't have it for the screen, but it's something, I think it's in Isaiah. It says, go walk in the light of your own fires, because you will end up in darkness. And when we try to live our life according to our own plans and according to our own power, then we just we miss out on everything that God has. And we find ourselves over here in our own plans, trying to live in our own power, saying, God, you're powerful. Please, please, Lord, use your power to implement my plans. And it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You can't 
tell God how to bless you. You understand that? You can't tell him how to bless you. You just say, Lord, bless me according to your own wisdom and your own power and your own knowledge. God, I don't have to understand. I just have to submit. You just bless me however you want to bless me. That's the way to be in true submission to God. And see, this is the difference between coming under the authority of man and his plans and his power and the difference in coming under the plans and the power of God is that it, coming under God's power and his sovereignty, it leads to blessing. It says, blessed are all those who take refuge, who hide under him, who have him as his Lord. You're going to be in submission to someone. You, you may think that's not true, but you are going to have a Lord over you. It can be your own misguided heart, or it can be Jesus as Lord over you. And the Bible says that you're blessed whenever you say, I'm going to take refuge underneath the Lordship of Christ. I'm going to hide underneath him, and I'm going to trust him. you got to trust him today. So here's some application that I'll give to you. I want to ask you a question. I want you to just ponder these, and I'm going to ask you to pray about them. Have you, ever th- have you ever considered that maybe your life is patterned after your own plans and not after God's plans? I want you, I want to, I'm, I'm going to ask you to pray about that in just a minute. I'm going to ask you to pray for Christ's supremacy to be over your life and for your submission to him to be absolute unconditional surrender. It's been called before writing a blank check to God. Lord, I give you a blank check. Not just monetary, but in every way. My life is a blank check that I give to you. That that is the only true surrender and submission that there is. So I want you you to think about that. Your plans versus God's plans. Are Are you gonna say yes to the supremacy of Christ? And are you going to be in complete submission? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I want you to pray about those things. Are you living in submission to Christ right now?